Hello, hello. Welcome back to my podcast, Suspect Unknown. I'm your host, Daniel Roquel. And I want to thank everyone for being patient with me. I know I kind of announced this podcast coming out during the weekend, this past weekend. As I was doing this case and doing all the research to prepare this episode for you guys, I realized I have to wait on it. It only felt right for me to release this episode on the actual day it took place. So the case we are discussing today is the disappearance of Ariana Fitz and the murder of Nikki Fitz. This all took place on April 6, 2016. So now that you guys know that, I'm sure it justifies more on why I was delaying it a little bit longer than expected. But this is the main reason I started my podcast for situations like this. For cases that are barely talked about in the media or pretty much cold. I feel like from people just listening to today's episode, that's an extra exposure that people didn't have. And the family can only do so much about spreading the word. I feel like by listening and even sharing something, sharing this podcast, it doesn't do any harm to let people know that Ariana and Nikki were not forgotten about, that the family is still out there fighting for answers. So I hope everything in terms of the episode today was worth the wait. So let's get into it. Let's talk about Nikki or Nicole Fitz first, which is the mother. She was described as someone who was smart, outgoing, and very kind. A lot of people say she had a loving heart so as a kid she would love school she loved getting educated so her dream was to become a teacher in it or educator she would spend a lot of time at the local rec center so she actually got a reward or some sort of recognition for spending all that time there unfortunately for nikki and her sisters life got pretty tough for them early on just because it didn't seem like they had a, a father in their life so when their mother actually passed away they were left with no caretakers and at this point the sisters were separated and were basically bounced around from house to house so foster care i'm assuming and from there things didn't look too good for her what her dreams were becoming an educator soon were fade away essentially in 2012 she got pregnant with her first daughter sydney and from there she basically had to face life as a single mother she wasn't able to keep up with the bills work and have someone take care of her daughter so as things got more out of control for her she actually lost custody of her daughter through cps and she actually went to live with the father in los angeles so nikki was very motivated to get her daughter back and trying to get back on her feet so in between this time for like a year she would work try to live with certain people to save money on rent but she just kept falling back down and eventually she decided to move out to San Francisco just because it had a better opportunity for her in terms of jobs and she did that at this time it was around 2013 and I don't know if it's the same dad but she was actually pregnant again with Ariana so Ariana was born on September 6 2013 and at this time, she was actually living in a homeless shelter in San Francisco. She was just living day by day, trying to get a job and trying to get back on her feet. And around this time, she met a self-proclaimed pastor. Her name was Le Mance. Nikki felt very comfortable opening up to her, especially with the position, saying that she was a pastor, to let her know about her situation, that she was struggling and wanted to get a job and get back on her feet, eventually get 
her two daughters back. So Lemanse opened up her house and offered to let them stay with her. Later, not too long after, she was able to get a job at Best Buy. So things were looking good for her and they had some sort of agreement. I'm not sure if it was free rent or just at a discounted price. But basically it made it more affordable for her to be working and also have someone look after her baby and she actually had an out now she had something to look forward to in terms of her family but of course as everything's working out in favor of nikki there has to be a hiccup and sure enough lemonse has now changed some conditions that they initially agreed on so now she's charging her more for rent and daycare so basically all the money that she would be making at Best Buy's where she got her job would go back to the rent and daycare and this put a hiccup into her plans as well because that's not what they agreed on how she's supposed to get back on her feet in this situation. Not only that, Lemonse made it very hard for Nikki to get access to the house. Even though yeah she was living there she didn't even have a key so at times when she was out and about nikki would come home from work and just have to wait outside until she would arrive and open up the door for them essentially so during this time she couldn't even see her daughter which is pretty jacked up in an article 8 news now it stated that she would even sleep at best buy instead of coming home just because she wouldn't have a place to stay sometimes when she would be locked out and Lemasani had some sort of obsession with Ariana at this point. I mean, it's not hard to fall in love with kids, let's be honest, especially if it's a cute baby. But the baby had a fun personality. She was super smiley, outgoing, and just loved to be around people. So at this point, Lemasani became verbally abusive and it seems like even physically. She would say stuff like, this is my baby. So, a very bold statements for sure. When Nikki found herself in this situation, she knew she had to get away from it. So from there, she decided to regroup and go to her sisters. They lived back south of California. And when she actually made that transition happen, her phone was blowing up. She would always get texts from Lemasani saying, bring my baby back, bring her back. And I read other articles saying that Lemasani was purposely looking for people in the homeless shelter. It seemed like it was a woman's homeless shelter and take advantage of that need of trying to get back on their feet. So she was basically preying on people, trying to see where she could benefit. And unfortunately, Nikki was a victim of that and took advantage of her kindness and trustworthiness with her being a pastor because there's some good people in this world still and there's some bad people. So unfortunately, Nikki was just a victim of that. And something I always remind myself is if it's too good to be true, it probably is. I feel like lately, kindness is such a rare thing to find in the world that most often people have a certain motive on why to do certain actions or a certain expectation of what are they going to benefit from it. Which is sad just because a lot of the things that Nikki was experiencing she had been going through a lot during her life so she was just needing one person to help her or needing someone to give her that hope so Tess and Claire it seems like Tess is the sister and Claire's girlfriend don't quote me on that but just based on what I see in articles it makes it seem like the way they describe their relationship that is the case so they planned and discussed with Nikki that we want to get you out of there. It got to the point where Nikki and her sister felt unsafe and actually went to the San Francisco police to escort them out. Eventually, they were able to get out safely. 
and they went to Santa Cruz. But it was just gonna be a short-term thing while they figure out the next step. Nike would still make the drive to Best Buy and kept her job, so she couldn't lose the job because that was the only thing that she had stable right now. So the drive in between San Francisco and Santa Cruz was two hours, but Nike was still in need of a babysitter for Ariana. And I don't know why this next piece of information I'm about to speak makes sense. But the babysitters that she was able to find were the nieces of Lemasani. So they reassured her that they had no contact with Lemasani and weren't even in speaking terms. So Helena and Ciolo were the names of the nieces. And it seems like they struck up a similar deal to what Lemasani was offering. Even though it wasn't ideal, us from the audience looking inside you can just see how desperate she was she had no options it seems like in terms of babysitters and getting that at this kind of price her options were limited and it seemed like ariana always had a place to stay whether it was at the babysitters or not but nikki was basically at this point in order to save money glee couch jumping so she didn't have like a home she would just basically spend the night wherever she could and because she worked late hours for best buy she never knew when she was going to get off so this affected a lot of different things transportation sometimes wasn't even an option just because by the time she got off work she had no way of going back home and if you remember it's a two-hour drive but she at least did not have to worry and would have peace of mind that ariana would be covered and taken care of and because of the inconsistency of nikki not being able to make it home for her daughter it seems like the nieces or the babysitters had some sort of shift in their attitude they become more of a parent now so they would make decisions for her they would suggest to nikki i don't think that's right for her which i guess in a certain way it is okay but in this instance for example she wanted to go down to santa cruz to visit her sister and they advised that wasn't a good idea they wouldn't want ariana to go down there so it's like kind of weird in that way i'm like you're kind of overstepping at that point trying to suggest what's best for ariana and i can see it from both ways because the nieces become obsessive just like lemasani was so the true colors definitely came out they're just waiting for the right time but as a caretaker you can see the struggles of the mother so i can see the point of view where they were like nikki isn't coming through for her i feel like i love this kid at this point and i want to provide a better life for her so even though it's not their position to take that role this is not a natural feeling or thought that would come across and unfortunately this is just a case where being in poverty you feel like you have no voice you can't really stand up for yourself you have to rely on others for the outcome of maybe how your life move forward and in articles and sources that i found that's kind of how nikki felt they felt like she didn't really take any action in terms of getting the police involved with the absence of seeing her daughter just because she felt like she didn't have a voice strong enough to overcome that and instead of trying to make it a better outcome for her daughter and keeping them together she would probably have her daughter taken away i don't know but it's something that they fear when you're homeless and you don't have the ideal living situation for your kid a lot of her co-workers saw her struggling and seeing her in the break room after her shift was over and saw that she needed help and luckily for her one of her co-workers who lived 
in the same city i'm not sure i think it was just a couple minutes from the best buy offered to take in ariana and have them stay with her for a bit just to make it easier in terms of the commute and being able to see her daughter more often and she was excited this is something that she was able to work with and she would be more present for her daughter after hours when she's done with working and so she was wanting to get this officially stated out to her babysitters that they didn't know hey this is the plan i want my daughter i want to see her because at this point i'm pretty sure it was six weeks since she last saw her daughter and she even tried to reach out to them trying to get this set up beforehand and they're like oh sorry we actually went to disneyland we're not home so i'm like brother that's just annoying just because they feel like they're the guardians at this point almost and once again this is somewhere a place where nikki could have taken legal action but she decided not to on april 1st 2016 nikki had asked a co-worker to drive her at an atm and from there she withdrew 600 dollars no one knows what the 600 dollars was for but later that night she ended up getting a call from the babysitter saying that they wanted to meet up at a local restaurant as Nikki was walking out the door, she had let her roommate know that it would only take a couple minutes just because the restaurant was somewhere close by the neighborhood. She went to sleep, and next day, Nikki still wasn't there. She had woken up to a text saying that she would go to Fresno with her friend Sam. And the roommate was confused because no one knew who Sam was, and it was just kind of off. The next day, April 2nd, Nikki had posted to her Facebook saying that she was going to spend time with her three-year-old and needed this break. The grammar and spelling errors wasn't something that Nikki would usually do, just because when she would be texting, she would make sure that everything sounded right before sending, so this was out of character for her. On top of her grammar and spelling, and that is something that stood out to a lot of people, Ariana wasn't even three, she was two at the time, so a lot of things are not adding up. From here, Nikki wouldn't show up for work. So that was published on her Facebook on April 2nd. On April 5th, Tess and her girlfriend find out that Nikki was gone and immediately they felt like something was off. So they traveled to San Francisco and actually filed her as a missing person. A couple days go by and on April 8th at John McLaren's park, there was a gardener who started his shift and he noticed behind some bushes and some brush and there was a board. And underneath that board, there was Nikki's body. She was curled in the fetal position in a shallow grave. And on the board, it was some sort of character spray painted in silver. And I'll post it on my Instagram. If you haven't followed it already, make sure to go follow. But this character isn't a well-known character. So it's not something that people would automatically know who that is. So it's something more personal, possibly. So that's what information that they... To this day, have not been able to figure out what that resembles. So pretty much immediately, the case was now labeled as a homicide. Though there are no specific details of the injuries and what caused the death of Nikki, search warrants were given out to people that were suspicious. And the first people were Ciolo and Helena. And there was no signs of Ariana. The police did say that they were uncooperative. And during the investigation, police were able to find out that Helena already had a charge. She had previously served six years in prison after killing the father of her child at 18. So Helena and Ciola were definitely the leaders in the suspect pool. 
As things were heating up more, the attorney for Ciolo and Helena advised them to not say anything and let the police do the investigation at that point. So the main reason why the San Francisco police have gotten some heat, I guess, from the internet world and just the friends um, and co-workers from Nikki is because it took a couple tries for them to actually report her as of missing person. I believe the roommate had called in to report her missing and one more other friend and they didn't actually do it until Tess, the sister, called and tried to get an update and then come to find out they never even did it. So at that point when Tess called in, they officially named her as a missing person. And it was just a lot of things that kind of seemed like the police wasn't really interested. I'm not sure if it was because of the situation Nikki was in terms of the poverty and borderline homeless where they didn't really pay much attention, but the friends are real ones and co-workers because they went full detective. They went through her Facebook or like friends trying to connect who is who in Nikki's life. And they basically presented all this information to the police. So I'm not sure if that's is coming from their side and the police didn't really do their own investigation. But either way, it didn't seem like the friends were happy with how they were being handled. Eventually, the San Francisco police does get help from the FBI. And so once Nikki's body was found on that grave, the first concern is, where's Ariana? And where are the babysitters? And Nikki had been telling everyone that her daughter was with the babysitters. And then all of a sudden, when all of this happens, the babysitters are like, we haven't seen Ariana. We have no idea where she's at. She's not with us. So it is sad to think about not knowing where Ariana is, if she's currently missing, or if she was long gone before then. The only reason I say that is because there was a comment. I guess you can take it as you will, but the sister Tess did not see Ariana since February of that year. And Ariana, based on what she was saying, made it seem like she was seeing her daughter at some point. And if that is true, if no one had seen her since February, that's a whole lot of days, months without even getting confirmation if she was still alive. And the Disneyland trip, it's too out of the blue. It's all of a sudden, I feel like it's just a makeup cause, just way out there. And people speculate that the money she withdrew was to pay for the trip or to pay a ransom to get her daughter back. So a lot of different things going on in terms of what could have been the real reason. There was a lot of different things that were going on in 2017. It seems like with the San Francisco Police Department, there was a lot of pressure with um, some shootings that were going on and some protests that basically the chief at that point was pressured to resign. And so there was a lot of things that were kind of going on between the investigation and kind of took away from them looking at Ariana and Nikki's death. So at this point, the San Francisco Police Department was looking into Nikki's death and the homicide, and the FBI was primarily focused on the disappearance of Ariana. With the family still being hopeful that Ariana was alive and just out there somewhere, Best Buy and the Fitz family offered $10,000 to get any information that could lead to the location of Ariana. And then on top of that, the reward money from the FBI was $100,000. Since 2017, it seems like the case has made no progress or very little. The only thing that they have discovered was the car that belonged to Helena. It was taken and was further evaluated. But as of right now, the police have not 
released any statements based on what the findings were, but since then Helena and Cielo have moved to Las Vegas, and they have not been cooperative with giving any more information from what they've previously stated just because that's what they were advised by their attorneys they have multiple eight progression pictures of what ariana could look like so that is also posted will be posted on my instagram and it seems like as of two days they she would be nine years old so she has grown a lot and hopefully if she is still alive out there that she is well that they and that the family can get some answers and relocate with her someday even though nikki was someone who didn't have a lot of money and with this unexpected death the family didn't really have anything to contribute towards her funeral costs and the cool thing is with the help of victims of violent crimes they paid for all the funeral proceedings they had to put her ashes on marina de rey and from there they put on what they call a salt urn it seems like it dissolves in the water. As they did that, they put some flower petals along and where the salt urn dissolved, that's where all these dolphins came out of nowhere. And it seems like, based on the describing article on San Francisco Weekly, it was like a movie ending, which is good closure for the family, knowing that even though Nikki's not there, it was just a beautiful way to send her off. I want to give you guys a little TED Talk. And I just want to... There was a lot of feelings that were going through and thoughts that were going through my mind as I was looking into this case. And just remember every single one of you guys who are listening that you guys matter. Your voice is powerful. It doesn't matter if you're in a crap situation right now financially. And there's this quote that came along a couple months ago, but it really stuck with me. And it said, comparison is a thief of joy. And that's so true. That is something we struggle with as individuals, as society. But I just want to give props to all those single parents out there that are pushing through and doing the best for their kids. And that's just something that's beautiful. On that note, I want to end today's episode on that. I hope you guys enjoyed the case that we presented and Feel free to look into the pictures that I will tag to my Instagram. Don't forget to follow underscore suspect unknown underscore. I'll see you guys on the next one. Peace.